Welcome to Ebtide Wellness, where you learn mindfulness-based techniques to help you meet the flow of your life. Here, we authentically explore what is going on within us to best meet what is happening around us. There's no stopping life, but we can meet it no matter what the tide. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Rupp, inviting you to be Ebtide Well. Hello there. I'm Dr. Heather Rupp of Ebtide Wellness, former neuroscientist turned into a mindfulness coach. I'm here today to share with you the top 10 toxic thinking patterns that you might have. And so let's get started. Let me share my screen. We've got a little list going. So before we get into the idea of what negative toxic thought patterns you might have, it's really important you understand that this takes some self-awareness and that actually brings us to our first toxic, um, toxic trait here is the unconscious thinking. So the whole point of this video here actually is to get us into consciousness. Most of us just are letting our thinking minds take control like dude you got it i don't even need to and the problem is the thinking minds are not who you want in control but most of us just let this thinking mind just take like take our life on its tsunami of negativity of judgment of of overthinking of catastrophizing and we're just not even aware of the content of our thoughts or of the fact that we actually have a choice whether to be in control of our thoughts or just to let it run like ramshackle down the road doing who knows what, <laughs> leading us who knows where. It's like having like a puppy or a toddler in charge of your life. So the first thing we need to do is realize that it's a choice here. And that's what mindfulness is about. It's bringing our choices back to saying, no, I can witness my own thinking patterns and habits and decide if that's something I want to participate in. And we don't have to then like reject our thought patterns or say they're terrible. We just don't participate anymore. And instead we participate and give our attention to other places. So the very first thing we need to do is recognize the most toxic and basic thought pattern of just being unconscious about our thinking and remembering, hey, like I'm in charge here. So let's decide which thoughts get the airtime. And so back to what content of thoughts. So if we become aware and conscious of our thoughts, we realize that our thinking mind has somehow mastered the capacity of time travel, which is phenomenal and yay for the mind. But <laughs> I would love to go on those trips too, but it's not super helpful. It's been said that thinking in the past is depression. Thinking about the future is anxiety and thinking about the present is peace. So our mind though, doesn't really stick in the present moment, but it's really obsessed. It's like super obsessed with the past, what it could have done better, what they could have done better, what happened. And it thinks about the past so much and so heavy. And it's also thinking about it so misguided. It's not remembering appropriately, but through a very different lens. So we just get stuck. I mean, think about the past and I get like a heavy feeling, but if our thoughts are just hooked into the past, we end up toxic, depressed and stuck in what could have been, didn't have been. These things don't help us. 
conversely, many people are living in the future. Wow, cool, flying cars. Um, but living in the future is actually very disruptive because we don't like go and project ourselves into the future and typically imagine all the wonderful things. But most of us, when we're letting the thinking mind time travel to the future, it's to completely predict control and try to um, stop anything bad from happening. So worrying, worrying, worrying. That is when we're just thinking about what has to happen in the future, what can't happen in the future, what could happen in the future. And our mind just starts spinning with incredibly difficult scenarios that we're trying to prevent. And it's so stressful because when we're obsessed with the future, we're obsessed with an outcome that will never actually happen. <laughs> so you're obsessing about trying to control something that's actually never going to happen. And even if it was going to, you can't stop it. So no wonder you're full of anxiety. If that's where you're living. If your thought patterns are having you live in a world that is completely out of your control, but you have somehow think that you need to make it direct a certain course. Wow, that sucks. Don't live there. There's no point. You can't have any impact in the future and you can't have any impact on what's already happened. So let's live in the present. In the present is where you actually can have impact and direct your path to perhaps shift the course of your future. But you don't do it by projecting ahead. You do it by living right now. Third toxic trait, negatively biased thoughts. So as I mentioned, usually when we're thinking about the future, it's not like how amazing it's going to be. I mean, sometimes, but for the most part, if we're getting really stuck in the future, it's about something that's going to go wrong. And that's because humans have this negativity bias. It's very sad. Very sad the way we're wired. It's from evolutionary times. I guess we're still evolving. But the idea is when we were evolving to this point, we could look around our environment. And if we saw something that was kind of ambiguous, we had the choice of assuming whether that object was something good for us, bad for us, or neutral for us. And so you the, the example often used is a stick. You're walking down a path and you see what looks like a stick. And you could assume it's positive. You're like, oh, a carrot. Yay, I'm going to go for that carrot. Um, although I don't think a carrot's super positive, but back then it was. And then you could also assume that it's something negative, like a snake, and, and then you avoid it. And you're just like, I'm not going there. The world's scary. That's a snake. Or it could be neutral, like a stick. You really don't know either way. But um, if we assumed every stick in the road was a carrot, we would be reaching out and possibly touching snakes. <laughs> I don't want to. If we assumed every stick in the road was a snake, we would probably miss some carrots and miss some sticks, but we sure would avoid more snakes. So it's a survival mechanism to bias ourselves towards thinking things are negative. And our brains actually have perceptual biases, our hearing, our feeling, our vision towards things that might harm us. We narrow in on those things more quickly. And then our brains encode them more deeply in memory and then they retrieve them more quickly from the memory and with more salience. They say that memory matters more. And so, yeah, it's cute. It's trying to protect us, but it's not accurate and it's not that much fun. So we get to say when we're in a present moment and noticing the thoughts are just negative, negative, negative. We can say, 
that's just my negativity bias talking. Is it really that bad? It's not. <laughs> our next negative um, trait is our controlling thoughts. So sort of big, tied into the time traveling future and the negativity bias is this capacity we have to get really stuck on something and not let go. We try to control our environments to prevent negative things from happening. And we try to just overcompensate for a world that has surprises. So when we're controlling our, our environment, our thoughts get very obsessed. You'll notice anxiety comes from over-controlling. This, this mind gets stuck on something, this rumination, this hooked-in feeling of mind. When that's happening for you, you can ask yourself, am I trying to control something? And furthermore, is this something that I can control? 99% of the time, it's going to say no. Because it's about something that is going to happen in the future and you can't control it. The 1% of the time where it's like, yeah, in this moment, you can definitely like stop that speeding car. Cool. Do it. But most of the time, our controlling thoughts, when they're really sticky and tough on us, is because we're trying to control something that's not ours to control. So we have to learn to say when it's ours, when it's now, and when it's our path. So sometimes when things are done, relationships, projects, jobs, you know, the hardest bit is when you're kind of like, no, it's fine. <laughs> you know, anytime you're about to change or leave something and change is great. It's very normal just to start telling ourselves, I could do this differently. I can make it okay. I can control this. And now that's a sign like change is good. So don't control away the change of your life. This is how we thrive. And it's fun. Okay, the next one is reactive thoughts. So our poor little reactive thoughts, this is when we're triggered. This is when we're coming from a place of you hurt me, so now I'm gonna hurt you. You threaten me, so now I'm gonna find a way to not feel threatened. It's really sad. It's when we come back to our, our childhood triggers, um, being criticized, of feeling not worthy enough, of feeling overwhelmed, of just inadequately prepared to handle whatever the situation is around us. We just lash out or we freeze. It's the primitive response system that's reactive. So without thinking something through, your thoughts are going into shortcut circuitry of how do I make it stop? So notice when your thinking mind is just saying, how do I make it stop now as quickly as possible without thinking about the ramifications or the directionality? And that's reaction. Conversely, some of our thoughts are a little too unemotional. And so emotions are the root of everything. And when we need to get at why we're thinking about something or where there's actually room for healing and impact, it's always down here in the heart space. But when the heart space is having trouble, many of us are uncomfortable with feeling that. We don't want to feel grief. We don't want to feel sadness, vulnerability, insecurity. Those are uncomfortable for us. You haven't done a lot of work to be there comfortably. So what we do, if the heart and the emotions are kind of achy or hurty or uncomfortable, the thinking mind takes over and is like, dude, I got this. I am just going to figure it out. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to control, solve it and not let anything bad happen to you. I'm going to make sure our emotions don't hurt. Well, the thinking mind can't do that. <laughs> it tries. It can't do it. So the thinking mind just spins and gets anxious and gets obsessed trying to solve the problems of the heart. 
Yeah. So if you are not in tune with your emotions and what's going on with you, you're going to have some very obsessive, compulsive, judgmental, ruminating, anxious, depressive thoughts, because you're just not living where the healing can happen. So whenever my thinking mind is getting really sticky or really anxious or really stressed, I say to myself, what is it that I need to feel? Number seven, inner critic thoughts. So we are super negative about the world, but even more so about ourselves. We've got this um, sort of like sports announcer, sportscaster in our heads, this voice that is often telling us, what are you doing? Like, you're not good enough. That's not good enough. Who do you think you are? Do you know what they're saying about you? Like, are you sure? This inner critic is your worst nightmare because he doesn't believe in you and he keeps you small. And, you know, he or she or it or whatever, it's not a jerk. It's actually just like the negativity bias trying to help you, trying to say, hey, don't go out there and take risks. Don't shine. Don't do anything that gets you noticed because I want you to stay safe. But the inner critic is lame and just like doesn't live a fun life. And we don't want to listen to the inner critic. So whoever has told you in your past that you weren't right for that, or you would never get that, or what were you wearing? That's the voice and screw them. (laughs) You take your power back. You do not listen to that inner critic. And when you hear the inner critic, you just say, no, I'm not listening. And you listen to your heart space and said, and you give yourself that super great pep talk where you say, I'm going for it. I take risks. I believe in me. Don't let the inner critic rule your life and keep you small. Number eight, externally focused thoughts. So when we're not beating up on ourselves, we're often beating up on everyone around us. If only they did this. If only they would act like this. Why are they doing this to me? Why is the world like this? Our stress becomes all the things around us that need to change. It's not our fault. You know, we're great. (laughs) We are great. But the world is not here to please you. People are not here to behave according to the scripts that you want. You cannot make people or things or the world change. It's not your job to, even if you could. Your job, your little domain is you. And if we all just kept to our little, our little us gardens, everything would be cool. But everyone instead is not taking accountability of their pain, of their own thinking minds, of their patterns. And instead is just saying, but it would be so much easier if you didn't make this so hard for me. So I'm going to put all my energy into trying to change you and that and that thing. And then you just spin in your wheels because it's never going to happen. And you're negative and you're not doing the inner work and tending to yourself like you need to. Number nine, survival brain thoughts. This kind of brings us back to reactivity, but it's that fight, flight, fear based we get into when all we can feel is threatened. And so what happens then the brain gets really narrow and we literally cannot see anything besides our survival. So imagine a little, um, a little gecko or a little reptile, you know, when, when it's outside and you're kind of walking towards it, It's running like crazy. So it probably like runs into potentially like a predator or runs off a wall. It's just trying to survive and it's making bad decisions. (laughs) It's 
likes that. Um, but we don't just have a reptilian brain. We share with that little lizard our limbic system that says run or have sex or enjoy sugar, or have food. You know, we share that it's to keep us alive, but we have evolved like a whole little cap around that limbic system that is the frontal and prefrontal cortex and lets us have planning and perspective and judgment. And while we don't want to live in the thinking mind, we can enjoy it in the moment. It's helpful to have this whole perspective, this open perspective, but it gets shut down when we're in animal survival mode. We literally don't connect the circuitry of the brain to the bigger picture and perspective and context when all we're doing is threatened mode. So what we can do is notice when you're acting like an animal and I love animals, no, no slam there, but when we're just in the mode of survival and remember that there's more to you than that and see if you can't open the broader perspective of, well, what else is there? Am I really threatened? Is there another option? Broad and broad and broad and broad and to find the wisdom and the insight that's available to you with your great human brain. Last one, number 10, selfless thinking. Oh my gosh, don't be a martyr. Everyone else is not more worthy of your love than you are. I don't know why people think this is like a positive trait to always put others first. Ooh, no, you have needs. And if you don't meet your needs, you're not going to help anybody else. And you're not going to be coming into your highest potential and purpose and the way that we need you to be on this earth. So yeah, everyone else, help them when you want to. Be empathetic, be kind, but include yourself in that too. No, you matter too. You matter most. You have to know your needs. You have to meet your needs. Include yourself in that huge umbrella of compassion you give to everyone else. Okay, so I'd love to hear in the comments where you guys find that you're getting into some of these toxic thought patterns. And again, not to judge ourselves because that's a toxic thought pattern, but to bring awareness so that we can choose alternative, helpful thought patterns. So here's some helpful ones. Conscious awareness. All of it from mindfulness, insight meditation is going, oh my gosh, I see that now. Like I had no idea. I just had this inner critic living in my head. Now I see it. Okay, no, he's not like getting here rent-free anymore. When you see, when you are conscious of your patterns, when you notice, okay, I am just judging that person so hard, why? Then you have the chance to bring awareness to where you can do work on yourself. Let's choose present-minded thoughts. So rather than time traveling and spending our time in a virtual reality of past and future, hey, let's live the world we're actually living. Taste our food, smell the smells, breathe the air, feel the touches, love your friends, enjoy the sunshine that's falling on your skin. The present moment is where it's all at. And we are missing it by time traveling with our thoughts. So when the thoughts are going to the future, the past, instead, notice what's around you. There's a, a classic technique of what do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? Your senses bringing you home to the present moment. This is where life happens. And if you're not there, you're not living your life. Come home to the present. Number three, rather than giving into our negativity bias, we can find gratitude. 
not to form a false reality. I'm not saying becoming really annoying and just putting a positive skin on everything and rejecting that there's anything bad happening. No, 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 no. That's not what we do. But gratitude allows us to hold space for the goodness that is also there. You're not making it up. You're just noticing, getting past our negativity bias to say, wait a minute, let me see the reality. Let me see the truth. Let me balance the scales of my perception to not just be so tuned towards the tough stuff. I see it. It's there. But to also open up space to say, well, what, what else is happening here too? In the worst day of your life, you're going to honor all the challenges but you might also see the sweet beauty of that person who was with you or of that little glimmer of a smile. So allowing gratitude for the blessings that are always there to help us actually see the reality of our lives, which is much better than the negativity bias shows us. We practice this with gratitude. Take out that gratitude journal every single day or say it when, before you go to sleep or when you wake up in the morning, what are you grateful for? One of the easiest, simplest, and most effective health practices you can do. Rather than controlling our thoughts, let's let the world be. We don't become passive. We don't say, I don't care. But we say, that's not mine to control. I'm going to try to stay in my lane and work on where I can and release the grip. If it's out of your hands, it doesn't need to be in your thoughts. Let the world be. And when that's hard, because it often is, the things we control are things we really do care about and have an emotional attachment to. You're letting the external be. And then you're tending to what's hard for you. So say you're super um, uh, controlling of like your child about to go to college and the kids like going nuts because you're trying to like tell them every class to take and what to wear. You know, let them be, for goodness sake, let them become an adult and make their own decisions and then tend to yourself of, why am I controlling this kid so much? You know, what's going on for you? Where you can be compassionate of, oh, well, you're losing a bit of identity. Is your kids going to college? Or you're just nervous because you love them so much. You know, focus on the love. Focus on the other things that are there, the, the beneath this controlling need. There's something beneath it that's worthy of your attention. Let it be. Find out what that is. Responsive versus reactive. So when you're triggered, when you're just coming at the make it stop, I'm going to do a habit, habit reaction. Take breaths, take breaths into that triggered space and find a response. There's space between your trigger and what you do. And the bigger that space, the more response you're giving than a reaction. And it comes back to awareness. So when you want to react, when you're triggered, you come into your thoughts and you notice the stories, you notice the panic and you breathe instead. And say, well, let me just take a minute, broaden my perspective, and see what responsiveness and wisdom might be available instead of just straight reactivity. Rather than cutting our thoughts off from our emotions, when we are stuck in thought, stressed out, overwhelmed in mind, you're not going to solve it there. Ask yourself, what am I feeling? What emotion needs to be felt? And how will that inform the symptoms that are an overactive thinking mind? I can heal it in the heart space. It's called heart mind. They're together. <laughs> when they're working in cohesion, everything feels better and flows. So don't cut yourself off from the neck down. Include emotions in your 
thoughts include thoughts and your emotions and be whole, integrated and listening. Rather than letting the inner critic beat you up and tell you you suck, come back to self-love. And for some people, they have a lot of resistance. It feels cheesy. It feels inauthentic, whatever. Do it. Self-love just means saying things to yourself like, I believe in you. Or when you're tired, letting yourself nap. Self-love is just saying, hey, I am worthy. I have nothing to be ashamed of. I have nothing to be criticized of. I'm just here living my life. And how about I come to myself as an ally? If you're on the field playing a sport, I'd much rather have some people in the stands cheering me on than the people jeering from the bleachers. So be your own cheerleaders. Be your own support team. Why not? What's the downside of being nice to yourself in your head? If you think it means you're not going to push yourself as hard or perform as well, you don't understand yourself. If you are reliant upon criticism to be perfect and perform, you're going to burn out and you're not going to know why you're doing anything. If you're saying, hey, what's your passion? What's your purpose? What do you love? You're going to excel and do the best at everything you choose and be happy and healthy while you're doing it. Love yourself and see where that takes you. Leave those post-its on your mirror. Number eight, internal interest. Especially, especially when you're over-focusing on someone else. We've all done that. When you're like, can you believe they're doing that? I can't, why are they doing that? And you're obsessed. Why are you obsessed with their relationship? How's your relationship going? Why are you obsessed with their weight? How is your self-image? Why are you obsessed with their job and their career path? How do you feel about yours? <laughs> when you're focusing on someone else and something else, you got work to do. So turn yourself inward with compassion and say, what is going on? What do I need to address? What do I need to, to, to help myself work through? Take care of you. Think about you. It's not navel gazing. It's not the obsessiveness people can have with themselves when they start doing spiritual work of like, oh, and my ego. And then I found myself, blah, blah, blah. Like that's not introspection. That's just being an ass. So it can be very difficult to distinguish the two when people start doing inner work, but you can tell when it's about generally becoming more authentic, compassionate to yourself versus sort of going up steps of some self-deluded um, evolution that doesn't exist. When you're taking care of yourself and tending to yourself, that's when you're doing the real work. That's when you're a spiritual being is when you're saying, how am I meeting myself with love? Not all the other garbage that people can spew. That's a rant. Anyway, number nine, rather than being these poor little scared reptiles, we have come much further than that. We have bigger brains, bigger hearts, bigger energy fields, and we can have a bigger perspective. So breathe into the smallness, breathe into the fear, breathe into the wanting to run, breathe into that survival mode with compassion and say, what else? Opening up like a flower to the mind, what else? What else can I hold in this challenge here? And finally, rather than being a selfless martyr, which does not actually serve anybody, how about you think about what your needs are? Not because you're selfish or self-absorbed, but because that's how you meet your own needs and lets you be the participant in the world that you are meant to be. Like, do you ever notice if um, 
you work all day and you just don't have time to eat. And you're like, yeah, it's so cool. I was working all day. So I didn't even have time to eat. And then I made that mistake on that, on that project. You're not helping anybody if you don't take care of yourself. The hardest thing I do as a mindfulness teacher is getting people to actually show up for themselves. Because it's like, well, I had to work late, so I couldn't make it to class. Oh, good. How did that help you the rest of your night? <laughs> were you more productive or were you more burnout, stressed out, and just kind of collapse and to get anything done anyway? Take care of yourself. You Got to know your needs. So I hope this was helpful. Again, not in a way to shame ourselves, but just in a way to bring awareness and say, oh my gosh, what am I doing well in the thinking world? And where um, do I need a little bit of um, reallocating of my energetic and attentional resources? Please leave me comments about where you get kind of toxic and where you're then able to be more helpful to yourself with your thought patterns. What's easier, more difficult for you? I know it's different for everybody, um, but generally be kind to yourself. Notice your thoughts and notice when you're just being your own worst enemy versus when you are helping yourself out. So if you like this video and this information, I invite you to listen to my podcast, Ebb Tide Wellness. I dive into all of these topics in great detail. You can also find personal coaching or more workshop opportunities for, with me um, on my website, ebbtidewellness.com. I hope you take good care of yourselves and to see you again soon. In the meantime, be well. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please support this podcast by clicking the like and subscribe buttons. And why not share it with someone else who might connect with it? I'll see you next time. In the meantime, be uptight well.